Hi there, welcome to the Edup Marcom podcast. You're very welcome. My name is Philip Smith. I'm the host of the show. Every week here, I interview CEOs, founders, CMOs, and consultants from many of the largest and most successful colleges, universities, and education institutions in the world, where we talk about marketing, communications, and sales, and more. Finding out how to grow your student numbers successfully. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Dr. Abraham. Fantastic to have you on the Out of Markham podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hello there. Thank you very much for inviting me to a podcast, uh, Philip. My name is Dr. Christopher Abraham, and I'm the CEO and head of the Dubai campus of SP Jain School of Global Management, an Australian business school internationally ranked among the top 100, top 20, top 10, and more recently, number seven, Pan-Asia, for all the different programs that we run. I look after executive education and, of course, head the administrative responsibilities of the Dubai campus. Fantastic. What, what Apart from being a professor. Yeah. Yeah, and that as well. <laughs> Excellent. And just give me a brief overview of your career in education. Well, uh, you know, we have a very interesting term in SPJ. We call ourselves pracademics or corporate professors. What that means is we are not your typical textbook professors. We come from the corporate world, the big bad world of business, if I may say so. Yeah. And over here, we have learned from the School of Hard Knocks. And what we teach, what we research, what we do as executive education is all part of that learning journey. So my career spanning 37 years, this is my 37th year. I've done lots of work in the real world, in the corporate world, as mm. a strategy consultant, as a marketing professional, as a HR professional, and then also moved into academics where we translate these experiences into real world academic inputs. So whether it's research, whether it's consulting, whether it's executive education, it comes from that rich corporate experience over time. That's fantastic. I think that's really, really important that it went into education and just tell me more about your role uh, at the college. Okay, I have very interesting roles to play as the CEO and head of the campus. Being the administrative head, I have a team of people who are responsible for different activities, and they would run it on their own in terms of having the expertise to do so. So my primary role will be twofold. One is the front-facing role with institutions, government agencies, international partnerships, local partnerships. And the second role would be in terms of brand building by creating the right kind of synergies, by being a you know global keynote speaker, TEDx speaker, and That's participating true. in various international forums. And the third role is my role as a consultant and as a professional in executive education, where I myself design and deliver solutions to corporates and programs for them. I think that's so important that this, the senior management of any university or college has that's such right. strong personal branding and does those this kind of talks and raises awareness. I think that that that's fantastic. And Absolutely. just talk to me a bit more then about um, SP Jane, uh, Jane School of Global Management and, and, and what makes it different. You know, let me start from the beginning. I had the rare privilege to be employee number one at SP Jane way back in 2004. I was wow. part of the founding team. I used to head another business school, Asia's top business school. But then SP Jane 
re requested me to join them. I joined them. Mm -hmm. I had the privilege of actually being a startup founding team member for SPJ in Global. It is from a historical context. We were, or we are still, one of India's top-ranked business schools. But when we went global, our first destination was Dubai. Within a year and a half, we were invited by the Singapore government to set up a campus in Singapore. Then a yeah. few years later, we set up another campus in Sydney. And now as we speak, we have five international campuses, Dubai, Singapore, Sydney, Mumbai, and of course, London, UK. And as we yeah. speak, if all goes well, our next global campus would be in Silicon Valley. So we have been a global business school. That's one key differentiator. We are probably one of the first schools in the world to start this multi-country, multicultural, multi-campus program because conventionally business education would be done with multiple programs, single yeah. campus. But we, you know, tilted that on its head and said one program, multiple countries, multiple cultures. And it also is scientific because what we are actually preparing our students for is to become globally intelligent managers and leaders. Global intelligence, in my opinion, is one of the key skills for survival in the yeah. 21st century. You need to think like, act like, and feel like a global citizen. And that requires an understanding of different cultures, different nuances of behaviors, leadership styles, business practices, so on and so forth. So over the years, we have developed this at the master's mm -hmm. level, at the MBA level, at the bachelor's undergraduate level, and even, now even at the doctoral level. We also have a doctoral program where we have uh, students from all over the world. So I think the key differentiator is this multi-campus learning experience. And also, we have realized that now the whole world is moving towards digital transformation. It's no longer a buzzword. It's a reality. So from yeah. AI to chat, GPT to robotics to automation, all these are realities today. So what we have done is we have embedded business programs with ample, if not more, programs in uh, data analytics and artificial intelligence, uh, fintech, so on and so forth. So I think we are, again, probably one of a handful of schools in the world, business schools, that actually embed cutting-edge technology along with this multi-campus, multicultural experience. That's really, really interesting there. And there's a lot to, to, to go into there. I think that's really um, a really unique differentiator there just in terms of being yeah. international, you know, multi-campus. I know a lot of universities, colleges, they, they kind of move against that. So that's that's very unique. Um, and then also, of course, the focus on digital transformation. And I think that's also, um, I think, of unique value to your students. Absolutely. And I suppose... What are some of the key challenges you faced um, with the college and, and, and with trying to create effective market and sales or just growth uh, that you found so far? Yeah. You know, Steve Jobs once said, it's the crazy ones who think who can change the world who actually do. So when <laughs> you're crazy enough to come with disruptive ideas, initially people are going to say nay to it. You know, they're, gonna, they're not going to accept it, uh, hands down. So we had a lot of challenges. Number one, in terms of people accepting that you could actually run an MBA program across three cities, three global cities, Dubai, Singapore, Sydney. And then the second challenge was more regulatory because the educational environment in UAE is very different from the education regulatory environment in Singapore. And the same holds good for Australia. And more recently, when we started our uh, London campus, 
they were very clear that it has to be a UK accredited program with, of course, strategic partnerships available with our Australian counterparts. So one was the mindset challenge from participants, from faculty. Faculty would think, oh, what do you mean? You have a program that's running in three cities. Uh, so for them, it takes some time to assimilate the idea. The second one was a challenge from students who for them found it very novel and probably why should we do that? Can't I do it in one city? So it took a lot of convincing and a lot of, let's say, communication before we could get that message out. But the bigger challenge was from the regulator's perspective because you had to fulfill specific regulatory criteria across different uh, countries. And again, I think, thank God, we were able to do it across these different regulatory requirements. So at both levels, I think it was quite interesting. And the third important one is, of course, parents buying into this idea, because initially you would say it's a touristy thing. Hey, my son's going to spend or my daughter's going to spend a few months in Dubai, a few months in Singapore. Yeah. But there's a whole lot of meat in that method in the madness. For example, 50 to 60 percent of learning in every city happens outside the classroom, because classroom learning you can do sitting anywhere. You don't even need to move anywhere. Mm. But the real learning happens when you are in Dubai you're being immersed to the UAE, Middle Eastern culture, Middle Eastern practices, Middle Eastern economics, Middle Eastern geopolitics, so on and so forth. Then when you're transferred to Singapore, it's a completely different ballgame, a totally new business environment. So how do you understand Far Eastern business, Far Eastern economics, Far Eastern leadership practices, business practices, culture? And then when you go to Sydney, it's a first world experience. So students get, you know, and this is so fascinating. And neuroscience has an answer oh, yeah. for it. Because the brain is initially resisting. It's saying, oh, my God, I'm very comfortable where I am. And you're pulling me out of a comfort zone and putting me into a different environment. But the brain also knows it's a sink or swim scenario. And yeah. sink is not an option. <laughs> so they will adapt and they will absorb and then imbibe the culture. Now, here's where the real thing gets exciting. Post the program, whether it's one year, whether it's two years, four years, depending on what program they do, the outcome happens at the neurobiological level. Now, here's a student who has completed three cities, cultural immersion, economic immersion, business immersion, and he or she is now fitted again. Another student who has finished in one city. It could be some of the world's best cities, but here's a student with multi-city, multicultural experience, pitched against somebody with a single city, single country experience. Now, neurobiologically, the one with the multi-campus experience is much more you know, open to ideas because yeah, his brain or her brain is fine-tuned to these varied experiences. So that's where it becomes very exciting and very meaningful as the outcome of the students. That's a really interesting point. So they, they'd have a, a unique advantage over graduates of other institutions yeah. because they've been to different countries, understand them, and and um, you know easier maybe to to be hired there and, and other places. And I suppose it, how do you, how do you see then maybe the education sector itself changing and, and perhaps the the college changing into the future? Oh yeah, very important. I think our ultimate test happened during COVID when the entire education industry was hit you know, completely caught unawares. Mm -hmm. And I think institutions like ours were quite proactive, were ready for the onslaught. So over the period of time, as I said, we are very tech-oriented. So a lot of investment had gone into our technology transformation. So one of the innovations we brought a few years before COVID could hit us 
was something called ELO. I'll send you a link later. You can probably have a look. ELO stands for Engaged Learning Online. Mm. Engaged Learning Online is, is, I would say, incomparable to any other online learning experience. And uh, it's across the world. We have it in each of our campuses and we can reach out to hundreds of students across the world. Now, the idea behind ELO is that how can we replicate a unique, engaging learning experience that you will get on the classroom? So we did that. And then when things got better, we made it digital. So you could have physical face-to-face -face sessions. We could also have, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's say uh, we could have digital uh, uh, sessions. And then you could have a combination. So today we run executive MBA programs where our students come from all over the world, from Sydney, Australia, to Indonesia, to Africa, to parts of Europe, North America. And I could sit in Dubai and run a class for these students across these different time zones. So the future is going to be more and more of technology infused, but remembering that it also has the powerful human interface. That's important. That's critical. So one is technology. The other is the human interface because the social dimension to learning is equally important. I mean, sometimes we make the mistake that you can get carried away by technology and say, oh, we can do everything digital. No, you need to have physical environments yeah. where healthy social interactions happen because at the end of the day, we are social creatures. We want that social. Most of us crave to come back to offices and schools and colleges post-COVID. Yeah. <laughs> because the physical, social environment is equally important. So I think the future will be more and more towards digital experiences infused with the latest technologies. Here's another example. When ChatGPT came in, many educational institutes looked at it as a threat. We are now running courses for our students, for our faculty. How do you apply ChatGPT in your learning, in your future businesses, in your future roles? So we are never wary of technology coming over and we embrace technology and we want to see how our students can also embrace these cutting edge technologies. Uh, for example, in our Sydney campus, we have a neuromarketing lab where the latest neuroscience equipments are kept available to understand neuromarketing behavior, consumer behavior from a neuromarketing perspective. Not forgetting that the world also needs sustainable solutions we have a Center for Excellence for Sustainability in Dubai. And we also believe that happiness is a science. So we have a grant-funded uh, you know, Center for the Science of Happiness. So on one hand, technology. On the other hand, sustainability. On the other hand, neuromarketing. You have the science of happiness. So all of these things provide varied experiences to students. And I think institutions need to go more and more towards this multi, you know, multidisciplinary approach yeah. to education and learning. That's a really, really, uh, really interesting point there. A lot of interesting points, but in particular, I know so many universities and institutions were afraid of AI and GPT yep. and these, the different AI tools and softwares that are being created, but you've taken a very different approach in, in actually yep. teaching students how to, to use tools. That's what which I think is fantastic because ultimately, you know, the, the, these tools and solutions and AI itself isn't going anywhere. It's only going to progress further. So it, it only makes sense to adapt and to, to teach. 
Um, that's that's really really interesting, and and just in in terms of maybe more of the marketing and sales piece then as well. Do you think the marketing and sales in the education sector could be different in the future, or or for the college, um, Dr. Abram, in terms of how you market the college and how you you sell to students? Yeah, see, one is because the program itself is multi-country, multicultural. We would like to broad base the student community. Mm. Originally, our roots, as you might be aware, are from India. But we're looking at a target audience across the world. So initially, it was very challenging because to get the value proposition across was difficult. But then we attracted the best of the best students. And once the best of the best of the students were attracted, we offered them very attractive, almost 100% scholarships so that their word of mouth, their performance after the program gets many more students. So that's how we've been able to enlarge the student population I'll give you a more recent interesting example. When the Sydney, I mean, when the London campus was started as the latest edition and we started enrolling, we told in order to attract British students joining our London campus, we said, hey, we will give you at our cost an opportunity for you to spend a term in Singapore or a term in Dubai. And we will spend, we'll take care of your travel costs. All you need to do is make up your mind, pack your bags and move away from London to another city or Sydney for that matter. And I think initiatives like these will send a very compelling you know, value proposition to the student. We had to see the results because it's gonna happen from you know, the next three months onwards, but mm-hmm. we've already put the good word around. So maybe we'll have a few students from London moving across to other campuses in order to study. And the same holds good for our Singapore, Sydney and Dubai students. They have an opportunity to spend a term in London. So apart from studying here, they can also go to London for a term and come back. So I think increasingly we need to look at these kind of innovative ideas for which we can attract. Not easy, but as I said, we use uh, digital media. We use neuromarketing techniques. Uh, we use different forums like conferences, um, media events in order to reach out to students. We have a lot of master classes. And it's not easy as well. Again, we have a very rigorous admissions process. So we have our students to reach out first, get the good word out, and then ensure that they join us in more ways than one. Fantastic. That, that I really like, you know, and what you're trying to do there in terms of, you know, the scholarships and getting students yeah. there, increasing the word of mouth. That, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's really fantastic. And I suppose just to wrap up then, Dr. Abraham, is there any, kind of, I suppose, key advice you give for successful growth for an education institution from your experience? From, for the institutions, my, uh, my, my advice would be very simple. It might sound counterintuitive, but every academic institution should learn, unlearn, and relearn. And it's a continuous process. You learn what's relevant, what's appropriate, whether it's technology, whether it's new skills, whether it's new careers, whether it's new industries, the evolving world in a Wukabani context. And then unlearn, because what you've learned may be redundant and irrelevant in a few years from now. And then relearn. So I think it's a continuous process that we need to reinvent, reimagine, and you know make ourselves relevant. That would be my advice. That's a really great point to finish up on. Dr. Abraham, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was a real pleasure. And there was a lot of really great things that I learned from speaking with you. And I'm sure the listeners will as well. So thank you so much. My pleasure. Such an honor. And I hope 
many people benefit from this. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thanks, Dr. Abraham. Hi, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Ed Up Marcom podcast. If you'd like to be a guest, you can do so by applying on edupmarcom.com, where you can also find a catalogue of all of our episodes. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it.